Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. We have begun a new calendar and another 25,000-year cycle as we journey into a new realm of reality through the windows in your mind. We now begin with the knowledge of humanity and its divine origins from intergalactic conversations from the past and present. Let us look through a window into the ever-evolving consciousness and explore new possibilities with our place in the cosmos and the quantum world. Grandmother Parisha of Cherokee Heritage reveals the wisdom of the ancient past that will lead us into a peaceful future. Experience the love and peace through the exceptional wisdom of Grandmother Parisha as she shares science and ancient knowledge merged together to benefit all of humanity. Greetings. This is Windows in Your Mind, and this is Parisha, your host. It's exciting and very, very adventurous to be with you this week since there's so much, as usual, going on in the many, many areas of life that I walk. So I welcome you to our show, and let's begin by having a few uh, up-to-date comments. It's like uh, there's been a lot of people uh, on our Facebook and stuff that has been very upset, I guess, over the Russian elections of Putin and Putin actually winning again and then making some comments about the Pope being satanic or something of that nature. And beloveds, when you when you contact me and ask me a lot about uh, different things in the news and stuff like that, first and uppermost, I don't waste my time listening to news. Uh, what I will do is ha- I have a couple of people that are briefly go through things. I give my attention to things of nature, uh, celebrations of accomplishment, whatever the the harmony of humanity, whatever buzz as far as harmony and humanity goes, because I saturate my mind and my life with that. Not to say that all that other stuff from time to time does not need attention. But when you ask me questions on this, I don't take sides, you know, and, and I don't pass judgment. Uh, to be very honest with you, I don't know what all he's saying about the Pope, nor do I know how much of it may be true or not, okay? So I'd, I'm not going to have, the, you know, the position to take to where I would feel I need to take a side. First and uppermost, as you've listened each week with the show, or even some of you may be coming on new this week, I tell you not to take sides. Why waste your energy by actually blowing out all of what you could do feeding what you don't want, okay? So every time you engage with something and you, you let it take your energy, your focus, your thoughts, your, your, you know, you're involved in it, okay, you're feeding it. So when I see something, and I'm not saying, you know, I'm not being, you know, I don't want you to think I'm saying, oh, my world is all harmony. No, it's not. When I find something that actually affects me in that way, I realize that I immediately look for what I can do 
that is satisfactory to the situation as far as I'm concerned. So instead of going against it, I simply apply all of my attention and all of my energy and all my thoughts to what else it is I feel is better. Okay, so I to to sit and to say nasty things about a person or people or such even you know situations. I, I it's such a waste. And I would think as well-read as most of us are, we don't have to do this, you know, anymore. This is adolescent stuff for the spiritually evolved. So, you know, when you're looking for something to have to spend your time on, when you read something like that, if if you're a person who needs to keep up with the news, I'm not going to make any of that wrong either. I'm just saying if it upsets you and what you're reading, realize that the more energy you put to being upset with it, the more you're feeding it. So if I disagreed with something, meaning I feel uh, this is something in contrast or opposite of what I would want, I would put my energy focus then on what I want. And then I would allow that to all unfold to the greater good. And, and over the years I've been doing this, it works perfectly. One of the other things that's come up is actually, as far as I'm concerned, to me, a momentous part of this past week has actually been Stephen Hawkins' death and his passing. And uh, I, I fell into a silence about 24 hours before I heard of his passing. And uh, I had actually gotten a little concerned when I say I fell into silence. I really mean that. It would it become a very still place. Uh, just something that I don't experience a lot. Let's say that. Now, when I go into silence and meditation and I you know I provoke silence that's that's a different thing than what I'm talking about here but all I can really say that I did feel was almost like a silence a strange uncomfortable silence and that when I heard his news I understood perfectly then you know that in the passing of this the silence represented a void to me because Stephen had given so much to us as far as science, and he reached way further than any scientist has ever dared go. And to know now that that has come to completion, I just had to sit still with it for a while. And uh, it took me a couple of days, you know, and my version of death is not that anything bad's happening or I have no, you know, dark uh, ugly thoughts of death. I know death is an elevation of spirit, so therefore I know the transition of that is in he goes into the greater whole. So I, I was perfectly all right with all of that. I just looked at what we, of the earth spectrum and of the material world, what is not there anymore. And definitely it left a great void. So for many of you who responded to my Facebook posts and other things, out there in the media where I ask for prayers and considerations for the family. I appreciate so much that you all respond with such wonderful, tender, caring love. And that just says who you are. That just says, it's this is a world I want to be in. And you're the people that I'm glad are in my world. So I'm hoping that we move forward with that. But I would think that for the next week, it would even be greater, again, for you to keep including Stephen's family and all the changes that are going on there. Uh, you know, give them prayer, give them light, and let's help see that wonderful man, an extraordinary man, definitely a man who's cut through a lot of the dark ages and a lot of the density of where science was trying to go. 
Then that led me to a lot of the conversations I have almost on an ongoing basis because I practice very close and and 100% into what I would consider uh, my earth spirituality or my indigenous root spirituality, you know, whatever native spirituality, I don't know what you call it. It's made up of just knowing that God is. I don't need to be in a building to celebrate God. I go into buildings out of respect to celebrate God. But the closer I come to the creator, of which you may call God or by whatever sacred name we use, I I find the closeness of that in nature, in the being outside of a building or outside of a room. And I've been in beautiful cathedrals and churches, so you know I'm very much in awe of all the beauty that's involved in that. But for me, it it can just be real simple, just... You know, I feel when I'm outside, I'm in it. I'm in the spirit. And so that's where I spend my time when I'm in the thought of being needing a church or going to a church and that. But we're going through a tremendous amount of changes now where people are starting to reevaluate the benefits of their religion and what religion offers. And I think that there's been a big purging of that, you know, for at least a 100 years or more. And the fact that... When we talk about quantum physics, we're talking about quantum physics well over 120 years, okay? Not just recently in the last 10 or 15 years, but 120 years. And who knows how much even more before that that was not documented. So that as we move forward in thinking that quantum has opened a number of doors for us, we need to be prepared that science and where we're going has gone so much further because as as there used to be some kind of agreement between science and church that science would only go so far and that church would honor this or this or that. And it's never made any sense to me, so if I'm not making sense, just bear with me, okay? But basically, to look at that and to realize then that science has kind of been hiding its own idea of a creator or a a oneness of intelligence or a god or whatever, cloaking it in different languages, calling it by different names. I know when I address and I'm talking to many of my scientific friends, I speak of that as the observer, okay? Because everyone is in agreement that there there is something there. There is a presence. There is a, you know, there is a field. There is, there is a something, whatever that something may be named or called. Well, that's what's happening now because we've, we've found that people can understand what better, what, what maybe scriptures and churches were trying to tell and that, that those scriptures become more doable and believable when you understand at least the doors that quantum physics has opened. And what Stephen Hawkins did in the the particular group of scientists that work very close with him in cosmology, okay, they, you know, quantum physics is already in the past. I know that publicly and in the mass flow of things, you know, there's people who are definitely adapting to the doors that open when you start looking into quantum. But quantum in itself is not the full answer and definitely not the end of the road. Quantum has made a scratch on the surface and is down, definitely down and in, involved into exploring even greater the depths 
of what the reality of life is and what matter and space and everything else is and how much we are tied into that. This is so exciting to me when people say, well, as a spiritual elder, how, how do you, you know, get so, why do you get so involved in, in science in that? Because when I left the forest from my grandmother's wings, okay, and that was when in my 20s, when I was 20, okay, I wanted to find validation for all the things that my people believed in the way that they practiced. And so I turned to looking and investigating everything to find what other reflections there may be on it, only to find that all the science has proved every bit of the spirituality as well as what we may call the supernatural world of spirituality that my people perform. And that there's so much more there than meets the eye or so much more there than just what our five senses pick up. And my world and most of my life has always been beyond those five senses. And and living in that, and then I needed answers. I needed I needed a way to talk to people about that. And you know, you don't reach out to help somebody, and you speak in such ways they don't even understand you. So I was seeking a communication means and ways to actually, you know, relay some of the wonderment and and beauty of what I know that I had lived. And so I had to turn to the sciences for that. And so when I did, I found all these extraordinary teachers and mentors and such, such, such knowledge and such complication of that knowledge on the scientific level that was so simple and clear in the spiritual practices of what I would consider the earth keepers or the indigenous people. Earth is a focus for us. Earth has her place in the universe. The universe is a much bigger family to earth and so we relate to those things in a familiar intimacy a family or closeness kinship and so when I found the sciences begin to do that and the more that we went the deeper I went into sciences if a person takes time to read it it will take you back to your beliefs if if you started out in, in a religious belief of some sort you just have to get rid of the dogma and you just have to get on past all of the door stoppers to where fear is the base of the teaching, not love. But once you get past that and you kind of push all that out of the way and you look into the depths of your scriptures, you will find truth and you will find enlightenment. And in, in the political world that we live, I don't know how much the churches have actually crossed lines there and gotten involved other than you know, when you're looking at something that's telling you that you need to love God, but that God is an all-punishing, all-judging, and a, a, an entity to be feared, there's a contradiction there, isn't there? So I feel that when we know the sciences of this, and then we know what the scripture said, they're believable. Not only are they believable, they're provable. This is proof. This is how it can actually show this is what it does. This is how it happened. This is the way it went. And then all of the extraordinariness of the scriptures become very real because science says this is very, very much truth. Okay, and then so I feel it's validating. And when I find people that are torn between religion and, and science, I tell them you need to find the middle road to that and be open minded along the way. 
because one actually validates the other if you simply get rid of the dogmas and all the tags. Because in, in, in this world, what has to be at least something that we begin to look through in all of the knowledge we have now. Do you understand how gross and ignorant it is to think about war, to think about actually beginning any kind of a nuclear war or, or you know, casting a nuclear anything toward each other? You know, we all know the outcome of that, and with all that we know, all of the science that we know, all of the religious fervor that's out there, what, how are we not evolving to resolving these borders and resolving these walls that we've put up around ourselves? Because behind every one of those walls and in the center of all of that controversy is human beings. And as human beings, there's a commonality that we share that no language can change, no barriers can change, no government, no policy can change. There is that relationship, human, humanity. And as we, we those who are studying all of this, we, we need to be the example of that. So, like I said earlier, when we take a position to where we actually start pounding and saying cruel and ugly, insulting things about a person and we get ourselves so emotionally overwrought than that. And it's just, it's not okay. It's really not okay. And we need to get back into being in balance and harmony and handling ourselves. Okay? And so we're looking now to even further, in, in, and I think the reason nobody's really catching that, it's like right after quantum got pretty popular, then they come out with string theory and all of that, which has already gone past as well. And we're into a particular understanding of cosmology that Stephen Hawkins actually was probably one of the seed planters of that, to where we, you know, we are and can consider ourselves a global universal being. And when we say we're a global citizen or a global being, of who would we harm? Why would we have any restrictions on on someone else's well-being? You know, when you when you go outside your house and you look at your neighbors and you go to your stores and you run into people you know and everything, you know, if we could just put that particular experience on the level of a universal level or planetary level, to where, you know, how easy it can be to just see the humanness of yourself and everybody. I've been in countries to where I speak none of the language. And I've had no problem in actually communicating. And definitely by the time I could get an interpreter, the communications that was important to me and what I wanted to make sure got conveyed in my communications had already been understood and was already very much in, in process. So as we we reach out with all this that we've known, and, and you know we, we look at what we have learned, how are we applying it? Because it's up to us. You know, we can, we can elect leaders, and then those leaders begin to position us against other people, other countries, other policies, other things. What is that? You know... Do you ever sit and actually think through that? I mean, I understand the dark ages, and I understand how we have evolved through all that, but here's the key word. We evolved through all that. 
Well, if we have evolved, then we need to be looking at it differently, don't we? We need to know that as humanity, there is this kinship, this likeness of each other that we want to protect and nurture. You know, I I definitely have traveled well in my life, and I, I feel at this point I've probably studied every religion other than maybe some remote little corner of the earth that hasn't been spoke of yet. And in all of it, it, there is the bottom line of wanting us to care for each other. And yet, we we miss that? Did somebody not read that, you know? And that when we elect these people who are supposed to represent us and actually talk about what we want, who told them that we were interested in putting out their threats and actually deciding whether or not we're going to fight against this or that with so much, so much beauty in the world. Every country having a uniqueness. How how intelligent is it for us to expect that there will come a day that those differences will not be what cel- you know separates us but what brings us into great celebration together, what connects us, respect of life, you know, good life, the things of life, the necessary things of life, you know, the beauty of that, the common ground of that. When do we stand next to each other and celebrate that? I love the people whose language I don't speak as much as I love anybody that speaks my language. I love people who are of different textures, different colors. Their hair is different. Their features are different. They're human. Just another reflection of myself. And I would never want them hurt. I do not want them hurt at all. I don't want to be part of anything that could even threaten to hurt them. So then I apply everything I know to the service of enhancing the love of humanity and the connectedness of humanity and us not feeling and and focusing on separateness, but actually finding the commonalities that can actually take us past the barriers of language or or those particular, uh, what I would consider, featured difference of hair, color, facial features, whatever. There, There are physical differences, yes. Does not matter. Human comes then in what? Many shapes, colors, and varieties, right? But human is what connects us. And we can't go about negotiating with leaders and electing leaders that think that they can go out and create war. So then, you know, what is even stranger is that we would stand, actually elect somebody and then stand against them. Okay? So if we're doing our part, we the people are doing our part, the leaders have to follow flow with that. And if we're carrying it from the strength of what we know as love, then there's no suppression to it. And then we can move past all of the craziness that has been set up and all the judgments that's been made and the disallowing of people's open thinking and caring. So it's up to us. It's you and me. So we need to look at what we're doing every day and how true we're being to ourselves and what we say we represent and believe. I get challenged with that every day because of the wide open, open mind that I have on so many things. People question me sometimes and find that my openness is almost unbelievable or that they can't quite accept that I love and I can love everybody. 
I don't know how to explain that. I just know what I feel. I don't know that I need to defend it. You know, so when I feel that a person seems to be critical of that, I just have compassion for them because they can't they can't understand something they can't feel or haven't experienced. So I don't personalize it. I don't feel it reflects anything real toward me. It just tells me what I need to understand that they don't understand. And then I move as best I can to move that out of the way. If, if I'm there long enough, it happens. If not, I at least leave them with loving thoughts and carry them in my heart and do everything I can to pray and send energy in that way. I don't see myself different from you. I know that we in that way are the same. It's like, you know, I when we're going with friends and, and I do motorcycling with my husband and that, we'll be going through the beautiful canyons and stuff out here in the southwest. And when I'm looking at the stone formations and the openness of the desert and everything, I, I my mind immediately goes to, you know, how beautiful they are and how those stones can sit there on top of each other in perfect balance. And then, then it takes me to understanding then that this used to be the bottom of the ocean. And as the ocean evaporated and the rocks settled, this is how they settled and that's how they're sitting there perched in, you know, this, this total good balance. And I look across the desert and I realize at that point the desert is as massive to me as the sky. And then I play with these things in my mind about, you know, then my feet, I can actually take my feet and walk across the sky. I do these, you know, my daughter actually said to me just last week, she says, Mom, do you realize that you think very much like, you know, an enchanted child? And I said, I love that. I am an enchanted child. I love that, you know. And so, but for me, to seeing nature, to seeing other people, I study people. And I love them so much when I see, I've shared this so much, when I see people downtrodden and hurtful, I cannot ignore them. I have to do something, and sometimes my doing is rejected. It does not stop me. I, you know, I'm doing it for me. I, I have to reach out to them for me. I have to do whatever I feel I could possibly do that would change that sadness because life is a celebration. What we read and what we study in our meditations, in, in what we say our, our philosophical thoughts are or what we say our, our very solid wisdom is, our practices and how we do it and how we live, you know, this, these are the gifts and the beauty of life. When the challenge comes, it's those things that have given us strength to withstand any, any of that without having any doubt. But always, beloved, always it will bring us to the point of reaching to and wondering who else is there. Just be one of those people that are there. Be there for somebody when they reach out. And in that, whatever your practices are, whatever your beliefs are, be open to learn from other people's beliefs and practices. I do not agree with all that I've seen and all that I've learned. But I understand then. And when I'm seeing it, I understand what they're doing and I understand why they believe in what they're doing and I can respect that. 
So then, then I come with just respect with that. And respect doesn't mean I'm going to go join it or do it. And it doesn't say I'm going to stand here and judge it either. I'm just going to understand it. This, this is what they're doing. And they, this is the manner of worship. And I need to stand in respect and silence and give them leeway to do that. And if it's not that, it's, if it's their political views of how their family lives are. The only time I will get real active in anything, and I still, again, need you to hear me say I don't go against. But when I had to deal in different countries that I was going to in Africa and the Middle East and that where female castration was happening, I went into a place for about three days to where I didn't dare speak to anybody. I actually had to witness mothers and aunts and an older sister holding down a young woman to actually allow... Uh, the woman who was doing the castrations, and so I mean, I went, I went into a place that I, I was terrified I wouldn't get out of. I was so upset over that, and so I had to go, and for three days I just walked, and I, I went through as much physical exertion as I could. I mean, I jumped, I ran, I did everything. I just did everything I could to just physically remove all of this emotional. Thing, this reaction that I'd had, this this anger that came up, and when I finally exerted and had enough release in the physical movements and and actions to get that out of the way, to just not want to grab somebody and do something, you know, what I mean, it was like, so I knew I had to get that out of the way, and then starting to ponder it, and the, my first reaction to that was just to weep. Even when I was doing the physical exertions, I know they were angry tears. I know they were bitter tears. And I also knew that after a while they become compassion. And then the questions, you know, I, I questions roll into my mind like a waterfall. And it's like, why would we ever do this to our own? Why would we ever take our own child? through something like this and I had to answer it as a mother and also as a woman and then I had to go into those answers because I didn't like those answers I didn't like how I answered it I wanted to be in that place that I was very familiar with to where I don't judge and then I had to keep looking at that until three days it took me and then I went into a meditation that I thought was only going to be probably about an hour at most, an hour and a half. And when I come out of meditation, I had been in meditation well over six hours. And I had gone into the emptiness, or what we would consider the void, the silence. And when I come out of the nothingness, I had changed the whole effect of anything that I had seen and anything that I felt helpless in. And I felt very, I felt a confidence. Now, I can't tell you what kind of confidence I felt. I just felt that there were answers. And I realized I have to talk to these women. I have to, I have to ask questions. And, and my questions are never coming from judgment or sarcasm or cynicalness or, or you know, rude and, and uh, demeaning of people. My questions are really almost questions of anxiousness or enthusiasm. And so I, when I went back to the village, and I had friends that had been very concerned for me, and then when I arrived, they, everybody was feeling better, and I said, I'm not out of the woods yet. I really need to have an interpreter, and I need to talk. 
I need to talk to people. I need, I need some willing voices to come forward and answer my questions. And when I, the more I did that, and when I began to just be open enough to respect these, these are Creator's children, the same as I am, and that that I, I'm simply wanting to know how can, how can I be in a place of peace with this. And so as we worked through all of that and the, the answers the women gave me, the women were very divided. And then what really come forward after the women acted divided, it really come forward that all the women were just as perplexed as they could be over the necessity of carrying this through into this generation. And even the oldest amongst them began to side with the younger women that she too had come to where she didn't know how necessary this was or just what the real justification of it was anymore. And then they discussed the various stories of how it had actually come to be part of their tradition, which again then had differences in it that they actually argued a little bit about, that one was wrong, the other was right, so forth. And I, and I just observed. And as I observed, it was like observing a wounded being, a, wound, a wounded anything. It reminded me of being a young child and watching my grandmother tend to a wounded bear and how the bear how the bear had actually growled and was definitely ready to just wipe her out if she got any closer to him. And she just kept softly singing under her breath, just humming sort of a chant. And every time the bear relaxed, she moved a little closer Till finally when she was right up on the bear, because she had put me behind a rock, told me to stay there. And observing her do that, when she finally got that close to the bear, she just very gently reached out and laid her hand on what I would have considered its paw. Okay, And it groaned and rolled quite a bit, and then it just kind of fixed its eyes on her. And And the whole story is based on the fact that in our tradition, you're taught not to look into the eyes of the bear because then they feel that's a challenge as well as the wolf. You don't look into their eyes. But she looked right into this wounded bear's eyes and he growled, made a horrible sound, scared me, okay? And then she sang loud. She stopped humming and she started to sing. And finally he just relaxed enough and she had already made, when she saw he was wounded, she had already gathered, began to gather stuff and she'd mix some kind of stuff like uh, you know, some like a wad. It almost looked like a wad of mud at that time to me. So I don't know what all she had gathered, but I realized she was gathering herbs and stuff. And that the bear was wounded in the shoulder. Somebody had shot him, and so she just put the stuff there. And as she put the stuff there, he let out another bellow and everything. And she just kept singing, singing like I said, just in her natural, you know, audible voice. And then he quieted down again, and then he went to sleep. And while he was asleep, she actually started doing a whole lot of things. And before I realized it, she had the bullet out of that bear, and she had put a poultice on, and then she backed away as gentle as she'd went in. And when I was looking at these women and that, I realized, you know, Parisha, you're going to have to go at this like she did the bear, you're going to have to take it a very soft, gentle walking into it, being being there with them, but not in judgment, you know, not, not in fear. And I took the strength from that example of grandmother and, and her love as well as her care 
to realize here was definitely a very, very open wound and that many were suffering. And, and, and understanding the circumstances and the after effects of it was even more devastating for a while that I had to make my adjustment to. But then I realized I'm not going to go against any of these women. I'm not going to make a stand to make any one of them wrong. And I just began to ask, what could we do? What would be better? What do you think? You know, uh, in, in respect to this, you know, does there, is there a place for choice? And then beginning to hear all of the male dominance that was around us and realizing that that stirred up another part of me. So I had to get that all in, in order. But by the time I got through with actually finding the way to help this, and, and all I do is, is I'm willing to support any women's group that actually do what they can to teach a better way. And so I financially support that and, and, and actually developed that while I was present with these women. There were women who were very strong and willing to speak out and didn't want this anymore. And so we began to work with that. You In our world today, there's going to be always something that we'll encounter because of all the differences that we are. Look at this huge planet and how many countries and how many languages and how many you know, how much contrast there is. It's time we start knitting it together. It's time for us to become that global citizen that knows that there's family everywhere on this planet. And that the only thing we have to demonstrate is that we care. That we care. You don't have to have the answers. And especially right away, because I don't know that we know the answers right now. But if we care, and we can show that we care, and we show that we can respect, then doors are going to open. And I feel those doors can be opened more by that, you know, like I, I dedicate and, and friends and I buy up bunches of books and get books out there with the new sciences in it and everything and having people read. Sometimes there's not time to go through all of it. You just, the best you can do is just leave a book and pray that they'll open it and read it, you know what I mean, and, and leave them there. And I, I rejoice when I come back through places and people hurry up and rush up and tell me, I read that book, I'm, you know, and they talk about the changes and it's like, okay, wonderful, you know, pass it on. If you've read it, you're finished with it, please pass it on. And it's, it's, it has to be all of us. And I, I want to say on this show, especially with all of you who communicate and send things in and respond, all of you who, who, Excite me with all the things you share with me on Facebook. I I really want you to hear that that just sometimes makes my day. Okay, that's just that's just the cream and the coffee. Okay, it's just beautiful, and that that tells me that you're out there too, and that you see the beauty in that. What I'm asking you to do is don't just sit on it yourself. Spread it around. Reach out. You know. Make sure that every day. You know, one of, we're getting ready for our ceremonial time and the season of sun ceremony. And for us, the, you know, throughout the whole year, our practice is to every day meet somebody we didn't know. Every day bring someone for the first time into what we would consider kinship or the circle of our life. And so we make it a point to introduce ourselves every day to somebody we, we didn't know before. And I find it so rewarding because it's like now at 78, I realize I know thousands and thousands of people 
you know. And that when I do my meditation and, and I scan across my life and all the places I've been, all these people are still present with me. They have been ever since I met them. I include them. And so then there becomes this union to where we become that oneness that we talk about. You don't have to speak my language. You can look in my face and you can look in my eyes and know what I'm saying to you. And I'm, you can know what I'm broadcasting. I'm broadcasting love because I care. I care that you're all right. I care that you're comfortable, that you've been fed. I care that everything is well with you. And there's no misinterpretations with that. And if we're working on that in ourselves, constantly renewing in ourselves that love and that respect, then it's very easy to emanate it. It's very easy to stay within the very boundaries of what I would consider positive energy. There's very much the difference between, there's two, two particular choices we can make. You're either going to be negative or you're going to be positive, and that's our choice. And I would hope you're making the choice of being positive, and that means always then being able to reach out with that love, that wonderful, wonderful originality and only one of a kind that you are. Let it touch as many as you can. Smile at them. Say hello to them. You know, it's like when we go in through airports and everything else, it, my husband had actually has become like lately, he makes comments to me and he'll go, okay, are you ready? And when we were getting ready to get our baggage and everything out of the taxi, and I said to him, are we ready for what? And he goes, are you ready to make your grand entrance? And I said, what? And then he said, you know that when you hit that door, you're going to start. And I told him, I, ha I don't need to walk in that door. I've already started with the taxi driver. I've already started with the people standing here with their luggage. <laughs> I don't need to walk through them doors for the grand entrance. I'm always in the grand entrance, you know. And we laughed like crazy because he says, you got that right, you know. And the cab driver was real nice and everything. And he was laughing because he heard a little bit of the conversation. And he was telling my husband how fortunate he is. And I said, could you write him a letter? Could you give him a statement? <laughs> and so we just had fun with that. But it's true. I, You know, when people are moving my bags, they're touching sacred things that I have. I want to know who that is, you know. And I ask him, how are you doing? You know, how's the family? You know, things going well here? You know, and stuff like that. And what amazes my husband is how many people respond. Like he said, they act like it's just all perfectly all right to start telling you their whole life history, you know. And he said, it's like, my God, you just met them, you know. And I said, yeah, but there's something there that they see, that they feel, and they know is real. And that they know that I care to hear how's it going. And and when we're like on the plane and that, and I start, I'll, you know, set everything up. He's learned the position I take with my body and I'll put myself I'll put my hands in the mudra and then I sit still he realizes and like he's told me you, you're actually spending the time on the flight praying for those people and meditating and sending them energy and I said yes why else would I do that you know why they need they have they've actually stated the need they need and I believe that creator put me there I believe that creator puts me where I need to be and with the people I need to hear so as the instrument, I'm willing to do whatever that is. I believe that we're all that. You can, you know, I know I'm not for everybody, and I know some of you will not agree. That's okay. 
I'm not for everybody, and what I do is not acceptable to everybody. But I believe there's something in each one of us that understands the gentleness, the fragileness of what we are as human beings, and that somebody has to start moving to make that strong and let it be trusted. And that's you. That's me. That's us. And that if we just reach out every day and touch someone and make that difference in someone else's life, ours is going to be even the better for it. I would not change anything as I look back over these 78 years. Even the tribulations and the challenges and sometimes the out-and-out just really abusive reactions to something. I, I would not change any of it. What, what was there made me stronger. It made me more determined, gave me clearer focus. And I, I will not let anyone talk me into it being anything else but valuable. My life is valuable. Every breath of my life is valuable. I will not let anything devalue that. So as we go through our days and working with that, you know, put it, putting yourself in the place to where you can be open to make, making sure today you now know someone you didn't know yesterday. I would love for you to participate in that especially as we come into opening the season now for our, our summer ceremonies and everything. We're going through the spring. We're opening up the spring ceremonies already by doing our, our bean ceremonies and some of our planting ceremonies, okay, and actually bringing in the little saplings and stuff that were seedlings that we put out. We're put, we put them in safe, covered places and let the sun get to them in the daytime. And we start taking care of them. So we're talking to them and they, they become personal to us, our little seedlings. Okay, so we're in the ceremony of actually calling forth life and, and the harvest of that life. And so as we move that, we'll soon move into the sun ceremonies. So you just participating in that by maybe a little for a few minutes every day thinking of that and thinking of us that are out here doing that and how you send some little thought some little happy thought some some inspiring thing that you have just read or something you just saw that you send that to us trust that trust that science proves that that works that's broadcasting send it out Send it to me. Send it to us. And then, like I said, making every day knowing, okay, to help all of the ceremonial dancers and those who work of the earth and all of the love and the humanity. You know, I meet, I, I reach out to humanity that that becomes magnified a thousand times and as it emanates from me, it moves out across the land, touches all of us. Do these things and watch how you change. Watch how important a day becomes to you. Watch how full a day of just love and fellowship happens. I don't, I want to make sure that you understand that I don't limit that to human beings. I love animals, I love the birds, I, I you know, I... I have a, a line, a fine line that I draw with some insects. I have a hard time with ticks and blood sucking, sucking things. So I make sure that I put a, a, an emanation out that does not welcome them or encourage them, let's say, you know, to come near and feed or whatever. So I do have places to where I draw the line. But in most cases, everything that is of life, 
I give respect of that life. And I also rejoice in the, in the fact that they have that life. So there, it's not mine to kill. It's not mine to stop. I, I would definitely say I'm not encouraging anyone to not defend yourself. But then don't, if it's not life-threatening, why harm it? So in our ceremonies, part of what we do is we, we include all of that in our prayers, all life. We include all people. Like right now, uh, oh, you know, people who know of the ceremonies I do every year have come to send their particular request and prayer request in, and we're already starting to receive them in great number. And some of them are from other countries who want us to pray for their sons and their daughters who are in the military and that. And so one of the people that I work with said to me, so how do you handle that, that you have somebody, you realize that there's a conflict here and actually a threat to this, you know, to America. And you have these people asking for prayers for their sons and daughters who are significantly involved in that threat by being in the military. And I told him, I don't, I don't go there. I know that a mother or a father, a sister or a relative, or someone who loves someone has asked me to respect that love. And what I pray for is that love. I'm not out you know, settling who's at war and who's not at war and what war is, is justifiable and what war is not. I'm not out there doing that. I don't even go there. I, re I totally received that request with an open heart as it is of myself and of my own. And I would, I would any mother that's asking, any, any loved one that's asking for a loved one, I, I'm not going to measure it that way. It's just not part of how I even think. I don't even go there. So I would say to you, open yourself to when you pray that you include all of humanity. I do not believe, and, and from all my travels, I can go even better than that. I can say I know that other people in this world do not agree with the harshness or the threats that their military and their leaders make. So it's like we have this particular level of, of, of consciousness that just believes that we have to keep playing the warmongers and the warlords, you know what I'm saying? And and we are kind of floating at some other level around this, but being tolerant of it. It's This is where you speak up and say, that is not how I asked you to represent me. I send out letters, and I think I've told you this quite a few times. You know, all of the officials know me by first name. They probably have stacks of stuff in their little chamber somewhere if they're keeping anything that I send out. Because I tell them, you, you know, my tax dollar doesn't go to that. And there's no... No way on this earth that I give you permission to use this in any way that would harm any life or, or impair the goodness of anyone's life. And in that declaration, I'm serious. I mean, what I put into that when I sign and say that, I have no doubt that it has effects. I mean, I understand energy and my science as well enough, and I know my spiritual background enough to know I've made the difference there. You can. You are. That fingerprint, here we go again. That fingerprint, nobody's got that. That's you. And one of a kind. One very special, chosen, one of a kind. Now, what are you here for? 
What do you want to do? You don't have to look any further than into your beautiful mind and determine how you would like to see it and let it begin to be how you move through our world and in every day what you do to move that forward. And I say to you, be, be, please join us in our ceremony this year by participating wherever you're at. And, and our ceremonies are going on. We've kind of opened them up since February, and they're going on every, every week. So for you to meet that person you didn't know yesterday, and for you to take just a breath, maybe when you're having a hot cup of coffee or tea, or just taking a fresh little breath at a break time at work or something, please think of us and send your contribution of love and energy and all good things to that. Be a part of it. Put your signature on it with us. The time is coming up, and I see I'm getting hand signals here that I need to move along, so I'm going to close the program. I want you to remember to tune in each week with me on here on Windows in Your Mind. And I am Parisha, and I wish you all good things this week and forever. Have a wonderful, wonderful life. OCO. Thank you for listening to Grandmother Parisha on your journey to the windows in your mind. For further information or to contact Grandmother, please visit parishas-world.com. P-A-R-I-S-H-A-S-world.com.
Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.